Luke chapter 2 verses 1, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 6, and I'm reading from a version called the Passion Translation by uh, Brian Simmons, if you... um, It's not online, um, but I want to let you know. You can see it on following the screen. It says, during those days, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, ordered that the first census be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Verse 3, everyone had to travel to his or her hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his fiancee, Mary, left Nazareth a village in Galilee and journey to their hometown in Judea to the village of Bethlehem, King's David, King David's ancient home. They were required to register there since both were direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no room in the inn. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to, uh, we'll just go to 1 to 6. Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of King Herod. After Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests, we call them magi or wise men, from the east uh, came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people, where is the king who is born, uh, where's the child rather, who is born king of the Jewish people? We observed his star rising in the sky and we've come to bow before him in worship. King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this. And not only he, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard the news. So he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and the religious scholars, demanding that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem. He will be born in the land of Judah, they told him, because the prophecy states, the prophecy states, and you, little Bethlehem, are not insignificant among the clans or the tribes of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people Israel. May the Lord add blessings and illumination to the reading of his word. Amen. Could repeat these six words after me, and they're in groups of two. Say the word physically, Physically. psychologically, Psychologically. 
and prayerfully. And then the next three words is scripture, supernatural supply, and stepping forward. Amen. So if you're taking notes, I want to just want you to key on those words physically, psychologically, uh, psychologically, and put in parentheses after that, uh, emotionally and prayerfully. And then uh, we, the next verse, words are scripture, um, supernatural supply, and stepping or moving forward. It's so easy to read this text and forget that real people are involved. And if I had people raise their hand to say, um, who's pregnant right now? Uh, maybe some may not even want people to know that, which is fine. But uh, we do know that, as we said uh, last week, that when Mary was the first three months of her pregnancy, she spent with her cousin or aunt, Elizabeth, and my guess is, is that during those three months, it was really confirmed to her that she was pregnant, not simply because of the prophetic word that came to her uh, from Elizabeth, but also she had morning sickness. Don't, folks, there was no, this was not some supernatural birth where she did not experience the normal things that come with many people. Uh, many women, not people, who get pregnant, okay? You know, she was feeling nauseated, and, of course, she probably noticed after three months that there was a difference in the shape of her body. Are you following me? So now we, and then, and then after that three months, she now has to go to Joseph, and you can read the account of Joseph. Uh, well, not so much the account, but what what Joseph had to struggle with after he told her that she got pregnant by God. Okay. Folks, this is real stuff. This is re- It's easy for us to read this 2,000 years later and think that they have some kind of supernatural uh, uh, faith on steroids. But if my wife came to me while we were engaged and said, I got pregnant by an angel came in the room, said I'm highly favored, I would say, if, if you're so favored, why are you pregnant? And then Joseph could have had her killed, but now he is pondering and he is struggling. And Mary has to have supernatural uh, uh, faith to believe that God is already dealing with Joseph, knowing that her yes may cost her her life. And some of you have said yes to the Lord. And and in your yes, you thought, you know, open wide the heavenly gates. And all of a sudden, instead of being faced with the gates of heaven, you've been faced with the gates of hell. Your yes will always cost you something. Why shouldn't it cost you something? Because it cost Jesus. He said, if it be your will. Because he already said, I know I'm not feeling willy right now. So if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine. He said yes to the cross. So what makes us think? that we're going to get by with an unpainful yes. 
we've been listening too much to certain preachers who want to tell us that everything is going to be all right and it will be all right. But here's the thing that's really challenging that we love to read the first part of Hebrews chapter 11, the Hebrew hall of faith. But at the end, it says that some died believing, never receiving the promise. Is it okay for you to know that all you're doing is storing the promise that you believe in God for? All, you're, all God is using you to do is to store the promise for another generation. And God not tell you that it's for another generation. We need to get away from this, what I call market Christianity. Because <laughs> sometimes God's promises may go beyond your lifetime. And maybe all you may be doing is just keeping the promise alive to give to another generation. My dad, it's good to talk to older people because they give you perspective. And I remember my dad used to constantly say, say to me, Brian, the older saints would pray, God, we know we're not going to see the promise, but we're praying for the next generation. I think it takes more courage to spend your life praying for something that you will not receive physically. But we have become selfish and not realize that our yes may cost us something that we may not even receive the blessings from. We may be the Davids that simply gather the t material for a Solomon. And is that okay for you? When you stand before God, he's not going to say, well done, thou good and successful servant. He's going to say, faithful, and were you faithful to what I told you to do? And there'll be no excuses because there's grace. There is grace. There is grace for whatever God has called you to do. And don't, and, and do not take credit. Some of us are taking credit for grace, for the grace that we had to get through things. And then we look at other people and say, why can't you go through? No, look what happened to me when the only reason you were able to go through is because of the sustaining grace of God. So we shouldn't even take credit for the grace that we have to go through what we're going through to carry forth our assignment. Amen. 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 If you don't get married, there's grace to stay single and happy. But what about all the promises? And I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's grace. There's grace. Amen. She is 
about eight and a half weeks pregnant. Life is going well now. Joseph has accepted the fact that the baby that she's carrying is an assignment from the Lord. So praise the Lord. I'm, she's alive. Um, everything's happening according to plan. And then all of a sudden, Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, decides that he wants to tax the known civil world or the Roman Empire at that time. All right, that's cool. But you have to go back to the town of your ancestry. And I have to believe that they both said, you have got to be kidding. Because, and and, and I want to tell you that, let me tell you the title of this sermon, uh, and stay with me, don't hate me for this title. But the title of this sermon is Hail Caesar, Hail Trump. Hail Caesar, hail Donald Trump. Follow the sermon, and then you can be upset with me after. But you may be upset with the Lord. Out of nowhere, this Caesar says, I'm going to tax the whole world, and you have to go back to the place of your ancestry, which because you belong to the family of David, Joseph, you have to go back to Bethlehem. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was approximately 90 miles. 90 miles, which is about walking from Cambridge to Hartford, Connecticut. There's no Amtrak. There's no Greyhound. There's no Uber. There's no Enterprise. There's not even a bicycle. At best. And you need to understand, Mary and Joseph were poor. How do you know they were poor? Because of what they offered when Jesus was born. They offered pigeons. I don't even want to call them turtle doves. Pigeons. That was the offering of poor people. So whatever revised theology you've been hearing, they were broke. Poor. So now, at best, Joseph is walking from Cambridge to Hartford, all because of Caesar. Hmm. And I don't care who you are. I don't, I don't care if you're riding on a donkey. If you're an eight and a half months, some of you don't even want to drive in a car. Amen. Ladies, you got to help me out because I'm not feeling the love right now. But I mean, some of your doctors say we don't, you know, you need to be, no, no, don't travel after a certain amount of time. In a car? 
let alone a donkey. And I have to believe that while Joseph is walking, they say a day's journey is about 20, uh, about 20 miles, a day's journey. But of course, if you're, if you're traveling with a pregnant woman, you're talking about probably a journey of about eight to 10 days. And I don't think that while they're walking from Nazareth to Bethlehem that they're singing, we're marching to Zion. Part of it is that they're upset with Caesar. And part of it, they're saying, if you did not give me this, my life would be normal. But because I'm carrying your baby, my whole life has been turned upside down. If you're not, if your life is not being turned upside down, then I have to ask you, are you really carrying the thing that God has put in your heart? Because whatever God has put in your heart, it's going to turn your life upside down. How do we know that? Because anybody who's had a child, that child has turned your life upside down. You go, yeah, until one and two o'clock in the morning. Are you with me so far? So now their whole lives of change and they're, they're, they're traveling this distance because Caesar has said something that has affected everybody. Are you with me? So a few weeks ago, Donald Trump was elected. And seeing that we're in Massachusetts, for those of you who may be listening on YouTube and all that stuff, we're in Massachusetts. This is roughly a blue state. I get the color right? So most people have voted for Donald Trump. I mean, Hillary Clinton or whoever. They didn't vote for Trump. And I remember walking through City Hall um, because I was there for the uh, swearing-in of the city manager. And no, I had... No, white folks were coming up to me like Martin Luther King got murdered. <sighs> I'm so sorry. You know, I'm like, did I lose a loved one or? And my whole point is this is that, you no, know, this whole thing with the elections has affected just like it's made Mary uncomfortable and Joseph uncomfortable because of what Caesar did, this whole thing with Donald Trump has made life uncomfortable. It has affected us as people physically. And what do you mean physically? There are more hate crimes have been taking place since the election are we with are we being for real uh, even in Massachusetts even more, even one of the our members here 
probably about a, a week after, I don't even know if it was a week after, it was a week of Thanksgiving, where their, their child was called the N-word, and that people felt free enough to just say those things. So this whole thing is, is, is causing physical discomfort. Are you with me? This, this election is causing, uh, what I call psychological or emotional discomfort. We had a group and, 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 I mean, you look on the, on the news, people, you know, people are crying. People, uh, uh, uh that I met, you no, know, one person said, I took the day off. I needed a mental health day. I, I've never seen an election where so many people were just emotionally upset. Are you with me? And, and I'm not, I am not here to say anything other than what has happened. And anybody's waiting with bated breath. Is there a word from the Lord? <laughs> so our lives have been upset physically. Our lives have been upset psychologically. You know, people wondering, you know, uh, as, as undocumented, uh, 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 internationals that, hey, is this going to cause a problem with me you know, staying in this country and a whole lot of stuff that is just really messing with us psychologically and emotionally. Even people who think that Donald Trump is the answer to their prayers. No, the church has been up ended with this where you now I have a pastor friend who uh, is African-American and his his pastor has declared told his church I'm voting for Donald Trump and as he as this African-American co confronted the pastor you know this they, they, that's they're good friends but this is this is upset the friendship now, how, how can you vote for this man who has said these disparaging things and call yourself a Christian? And, and then, then on the other hand, how can you as black people or whoever vote for, uh, you know, somebody who supports abortion? So there's this schism in the body of Christ. And I'm having discussions with, you no know, white pastors and past I mean this is this is this this one thing who nobody saw coming. I watch all sorts of news. Even Fox was betting that Trump would lose. And some of you are even sitting here right now, I don't want to hear anymore. I you know, let me just put my hand in the head in the sand. I'm I'm tired. This is Christmas. Joy to the world, the Lord. What happened? Santa Claus is coming to I mean, I don't want to hear about Trump. I want you to encourage me. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. <laughs> Jack Frost nipping at your nose. <laughs> but I have three encouraging uh, things for you to keep in mind in 2017. Because I believe that God is using this, yep, 
It's upset us physically, people physically. It's upset people emotionally, uh, psychologically. But I believe that God's saying, I need to upset you so you be stop, so you stop being prayerful. I have never heard so much we got to pray like we do now. And some of us, that there's nothing, and I'm not saying that he's persecuting, but there's nothing that will get the church praying like discomfort. And we were feeling mighty comfortable. And, 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 no, I don't want to, excuse me. I mean, there's a lot of other things I can say about, you know, people feeling just more emboldened now because of, they were saying a lot of things when President Obama was, is president that shouldn't be said and the disrespect he got as a black president. And we can go all there, but the point is this, is that God, God is saying to us that I'm going to force you to pray. I've never heard so many young moms, particularly moms of children of colors, particularly moms who have kids who are children of color, who are male, who have said, I fear for my son. And I really believe God is saying, I'm going to force you to pray. I'm going to take you on this uncomfortable journey of prayer. And the best praying that it takes place is when you feel like you are under threat. All you have to do is ask the people from Uganda. When Idi Amin was terrorizing that country, those people prayed like you have never seen before. And it changed the whole nation. And God is up to something. But the church has not been praying. And it's almost like that old Verizon commercial. Do you hear me now? But I got good news. Number one, God was not just moving Mary and Joseph just because or he didn't allow Caesar to make this declaration simply because he wants to make their lives miserable. But this is what I love about God is that he has ways of getting us to the intersection of our calling with or without our permission. Because the the Bible says that Christ was supposed to be born in Bethlehem and they were 70 to 90 miles away from where they were supposed to be. So the only reason God allowed Caesar to make that declaration is to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem so that everything would run 
according to script. This is what excites me is because God is doing everything according to his script, scripture. Mm. Psalm 33 verse 4 says, the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. Everything God is doing in your life is according to script. There are people who you were supposed to meet. That's why he brought you to Boston, even though you didn't want to come here. There are people you're supposed to meet in a certain school, and that's why God didn't allow you to get into the school of your first choice. God has a script, and he is doing everything he can to make sure that we are walking according to his script, even if he has to allow things that are undesirable to take place in our lives. Sometimes, if I can borrow you, Richard, for a moment, sometimes he takes us gently to the place, and sometimes he just puts us pushes us to the place. And if you could, uh, and if you could just kneel for a moment, and and sometimes he just he drags us there. And I wish, I wish he would ask my permission. I wish he would say to me, you know, my son, no, show me a vision of an angel or something. Yea, my son, I am calling thee. Arise. <laughs> For thy light has come. And having no angels on both sides of me. But sometimes he just blows my life up. And I'm looking at him and saying, what are you doing? Do you love me? Uh, now, couldn't you ask politely? And Now, why are you dragging me? You, 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 what are you, the mafia? My goodness. And... and and you find yourself saying, God, it's, it's, it's getting pretty hard to trust you. I'm not liking this. I know sometimes you look at me and you say, oh yeah, you're the bishop. No, I'm not, you know, you really need to see me in my house. I'm not saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, no, the angels are not flying, you know. Maybe when I leave the house, because my children and my much more holier than I am. But it, it's, it's, you know, sometimes this, yes. Am I talking to somebody? I said to myself yesterday, I, I'm driving home from Angel Tree. It's a wonderful time, but I am exhausted. I am tired. And I, I said, look, I said, and I'm, and I went to the, I went to the, I went to the supermarket to buy, um, Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And I said to myself, I said to myself, how sorry is my life? <laughs> How 
I'm like, I can't drink, I can't, well, I can't smoke, I can't take, you know, drugs. So, I find myself walking the aisles for captive. I said, how sorry. And I wish I could say, oh, yeah, this was a long time ago, but I got the victory. This is yesterday. And I'm walking, I'm saying, man, Brian, your life is just, your life is sorry. The cost of saying, yes. And understanding, okay, God, this is uncomfortable, but everything is going according to script. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Meaning, the word belongs to his power, and he's going to make sure that his word comes to pass. So the one thing, I may not like the ride, but I know that I'm going to reach the destination because his script is sure. Are you with me? And if I'm out of position, then he'll do everything to get me in position. And, 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 and so what I've discovered is this prayer I pray over um, all my leaders and people who Lord put on my prayer list, like about 150 on my prayer list, and I called them out every day this week. I was calling them out. And, and I said to the Lord, um, I prayed this prayer. I said, God, keep your hand on their lives. But then there's a specific prayer. And how many, who plays chess? Anybody play chess? Chess? I mean, you, you don't have to be a car. Okay, sir. You play chess, okay? So um, this isn't a deep question. Uh, so um, what is this? A pawn, okay? So it's a pawn. It's a pawn, P-A-W-N. Now, this is a deep question. So we, don't know, we know that chess is a very strategic game. Okay, even if you're not good at it, you and we do know, even if you don't play chess, you know that chess is played on a checkerboard. Okay, and you know that, uh, so which direction can the pawn move? Forward. forward. That's it, right? Okay, unless it's in test, so they only move forward. Okay, now, here's a deep question. Deep question. What is the objective of the pawn? What, what is the objective of the pawn? No, not protect the queen. All of them are supposed to protect the queen or the king. What is the objective of the pawn? You sacrificed them. Is that the objective of the pawn? Well, what is the objective of the pawn? You're moving the pawn, right? Where's it, what's the objective? Mm, you're too deep. I should ask somebody that. What's the, to get to the other side, right? To get to the other side. Why does the Why does the pawn want to get to the other side? To protect your territory. <laughs> okay. What happens if the pawn gets to the other side? They can attack and capture. <laughs> You're too deep. They can become a queen. Right? 
Isn't that the objective of the pawn? To get to the other side so that it becomes a queen. And once the pawn becomes a queen, what happens? <laughs> well, it can only move forward, right? But now this is queen. What's the most powerful? It can move in all directions. Ah, ah, ah. The pawn becomes a queen. Who's a queen in real life? What makes a queen a queen? A king. The wife of a king, I'm a simple man, is a queen. The wife of a king is a queen. And so he is called king of kings and the king of kings wants a queen. So the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because he's trying to make you into a queen. So if he can keep his hand on you and move you strategically in places where he wants you to go. Now sometimes you will help me brother attack. Sometimes there'll be sacrifices but the point is is that he wants us to become a queen. He needs a church that can move in any direction. He needs a church that is the most powerful Peace on this board called earth. And so my prayer is God. Daily put your hand on my life, on my children's life, like a chess piece. Move us strategically in places where we weren't even thinking of. So that we can have divine encounters. There's places where you will not go because you and I don't have the capacity to put ourselves in strategic positions for strategic encounters. And my point is, is that 2017, God is moving you strategically into a position. Amen. 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 That's why I love your story. We we just got we because how often were you walking by this church? Every day. For how long? Three months. Yeah. And all of a sudden, at a certain time, you come here because strategically. There are some of you who, yeah, I know that church for years. And all of a sudden, why, why now? Why now? Why at this moment? There's something strategic. There's people who maybe you've known, you've seen them. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? For years. And all of a sudden, you meet them at the right specific time. 
God is doing something and Trump may be a part of it. Obama may be a part of it. But the bottom line is that God is in control and he is moving us strategically into place because there is a script. Sorry. There is a script that he is following and no devil in hell can stop what God has for me. And then there's what I call not only the, 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 there's a script, but there's also supernatural supply. Meaning that wherever God has a vision for you, there is provision. Turn to your neighbor because you don't believe me. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, stop worrying about money. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, stop worrying about talent. Because, see, if you don't have the talent, if it's a vision from God, God will put people in your life who will help you make it happen. Because it's not your baby, it's his. And stop worrying about time. Stop worrying about time. Well, you know, and, and, and you know, as you, you know, as I'm approaching 60, you're starting to say, Oh, I'm not having, you know, there's a lot of to do God. And God says, stop worrying about time. That's time is none of your business. I'll take care of that. You just keep making sure that the baby's kept safe. Mm. I am amazed. My wife and I, we are amazed at the talent that God is sending to this little church in Cambridge. I'm amazed. And the Lord said to me, it's because there's something I want to do great. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, Brian. You just need to stay in my presence. Sometimes I'm sitting amongst people and my wife and I would look at it. We're sitting amongst people in this church. We're like, okay, what? Are you sure you got the right pastor, Lord? Because God doesn't pick by, he doesn't pick by aptitude. He picks by attitude. There's supernatural supply for you. I want to encourage this supernatural supply. Whatever God has called, stop worrying about money. There is supernatural supply for you in 2017. There's supernatural supply. Say that with me. There's supernatural supply for me. For me. For me. For me. And I think for some of us, God is messing with our finances so that he can he can de- he can de- get us to stop focusing on his provision and not my provision. We had a, a young man in our church who lost his job, lost his job, and and he lost his job unfairly. And so I said to him, "Why don't you give the time to the Lord that you would have usually given to the job?" In a long story short. Um, after about a year, after about a year, God started pouring crazy blessings in his life. Crazy blessings. 
I mean, it, it came to a point that every time I saw him, he had a smile on his face. And I was like, see, see, God is not going to be a debtor. If God is going to fail for the first time, he's not going to waste that failure on you. So stop thinking that you're all that. Okay. 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 You ain't all that. If you're going to waste this time of failure. Finally, um, is everybody with me so far? There was supernatural supply. And I'm going to talk about the supernatural supply that Mary and Joseph received um, uh, on, on, on uh, Christmas. So if you obviously some of you will be traveling, but we'll we'll see how make sure you can get it because there's supernatural supply. There's supernatural supply. Here's a powerful thing. This here's a powerful thing. It, oh, thank you, Jesus. I want I want to run around the church. The reason why God is cracking the whip for you and I to get certain places spiritually and physically is because there are some things that have been already set in motion that are depending upon you being where you're supposed to be. Mary and Joseph's journey, are you with me so far? Mary and Joseph's journey took how many days? Nine, nine to ten days, roughly. Nine to ten days. So while they were on their journey, God already set something in motion months ago. The three kings were shown that this star is going to stop in Bethlehem. So I don't know, maybe they started three months ago. And what if they got there and Mary and Joseph were not there? My point is, folks, there are things that have been set in motion before you were even born. There are people who you're supposed to meet in Cambridge and somehow God has dragged you to Cambridge to make sure that you encounter his divine plan. There is supply. There is supply. There is supply. Finally, are you with me so far? Finally, um, whatever God has for you, it's a step forward and not a step backwards. No matter how, think about it. They move from they they moved from Bethlehem and now they're in Nazareth. And now God is saying, you got to go back to Bethlehem. And for some of us, we think that God has taken us back, but he's taken us forward. The Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Psalm 37 verse 1 says the law of the Lord is God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide or slip. Proverbs 20 verse 24. This is one of the first scriptures I memorized when I was waiting on the Lord for a lady coming. I needed this scripture. Deacon Eric. It says man, well the, the King James version says man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man understand his own way? I believe that was written because somebody in the Bible <laughs> had direction from the Lord and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. You're in good company. 
I don't understand how Donald Trump won. I don't understand how we ended up with the, the best that America had to offer to lead the country was Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Folks, no, you, 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 I don't care who you were for. To, to come down to the last two people who had the most unfavorables of any two candidates. God, how do we come down to this? And God is like, I'm working out my plan. I am working out my plan. And it's going to upset your life. I'll tell you, I have, I've been praying because I said, God, there's something you're up to and there's something good. And I don't want to miss it getting caught up in what's going on in the White House, in Congress, for that matter, at City Hall. God, what are you doing so that when the time comes, I'm going to be in position? There's something that's going to happen that Pentecostal Tabernacle needs to be in position. And Lord Jesus, I don't want to miss it. I've been waiting all my life for this season. Amen. Amen. So what is your, what is your, what is the position you should take? Let's all stand. Thank you for being so patient. There's a scripture. The Lord has a plans for you. I know the plans I have for you. Number two, there is supernatural provision. And number three, there's step, there's a step forward. There's a step forward. There's a step forward. There's so many things that God is doing right now that I'm seeing. I don't know what I'm. I'm seeing God move pieces into place. I'm seeing God move pieces into place. And I'm, and I'm standing back saying, wow, what a move. And then there's other, you know, and I mess with my guy again. Have you ever watched somebody else play a chess, watch a game and you see them make a movie like, oh, (laughs) and you're like, oh, and, and that's how, how I am sometimes. I'm looking at my own life and God moves in like, and God's like, he, 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 he does a checkmate on the devil. And you're like, have, has, this not get, indulge me this last time. Uh, has God ever do something that was so incredible that you wanted to give him a high five? Like you just want to swipe in there. Like you, you just, you know, drop the mic, God. You just, how, how you pulled that off? It's almost like God has walked you through life blindfolded and then took off the blindfold. You're like, whoa, man, you bad. And so what I want you to do right now, I know I've been long and I was long purposely because you need to hear this. So you stop tripping, stop losing your mind, stop losing your salvation, stop getting caught up in frivolous arguments. And I'm not saying this is important. We had a we had a young adult meeting and uh, open table about the elections. And what Lord was saying is, just before you respond, wait for me to direct you. 
Because at some time we're going to have to do more than pray. But we can't do more until we pray. <laughs>